Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. Well, good morning. It's great to see you all this morning as we just saw Pastor John on the screen. Remember them this weekend as they are on a ski trip. Uh, Everything has gone really well. He sent an update and said it's been a great time and they're going to get some snow to ski on. So on the East Coast, uh, that's a unique opportunity, but definitely keep them uh, and their safety in your prayers and just the Lord's work there. Also want to let you know a couple updates from our family ministry. First off, we have our family, Fairview Family Ministry podcast uh, that is launching. In fact, it's available right now. And so we'd love for you to check that out. And Pastor John uh, is, I guess, the host of that. And uh, so those, those uh, episodes are available. And also, we're going to have a parenting class. So this is for all parents that will begin next Sunday. And it will be at 9.30. So during that 9.30 community group hour, if you are a parent and you would like to be part of that class, you haven't yet signed up, you can sign up online this week uh, to be part of that parenting class. It's a two-week class, uh, so that'll be, be taking place. Well, as we begin this morning, I want to consider one of the most uh, famous voyages at some level uh, of all time, and that is the voyage of the ship called the Endurance. Now, some of you all will be familiar with this. There is a book that is about the voyage of the Endurance and Ernest Shackleton, who was the captain of this ship. Uh, They sailed for the Antarctic uh, between 1914 and 1917. And we have a picture here of Shackleton uh, along with what eventually became of the Endurance uh, because they set out to hike all the way across Antarctica And yet, in their journey, they experienced even colder weather than normal in Antarctica and in the water surrounding it. And so their ship froze into the ice, and they would have to survive on the the resources that they had for over two years. And in this Antarctic area, they have what's called the Polar Night, which is when everything is completely dark for months at a time. And many people who have ended up stuck there have gone insane uh, because of that. And, and yet what we see, and again, this is outlined in the book on the endurance, uh, is that not only did Shackleton and all 28 members of his crew survive Uh, what ended up being a a three-year journey with two years being just incredibly difficult uh, obstacles. Uh, But they actually grew in health and strength uh, and in friendship with one another. And and this is something that, that really is remarkable to consider because obviously in that kind of difficulty, facing those kind of odds, uh, the, the fact that people could come out stronger, that they could not only survive, but come home in, in many ways even healthier and, and live lives that were actually changed in a positive way, 
because of that. And, and one of the things that is unique as we look back at, at what made Shackleton's crew so uh, resilient, they had common practices that they maintained. So throughout this journey, they maintain times of reading, they maintain times of journaling, uh, they maintain times that had certain focuses to kind of use their brains or uh, to focus on things of enjoyment, and, and it was very intentional, and that's something that actually came to a head when they had to make a decision about what supplies to move forward with, and they actually made a decision to take less food in order to bring their books and their journals with them. That's remarkable. If you're having to make a decision between food and a book or a journal, it would seem like the food would be the obvious choice. And yet because of the perspectives that they had and the way that they were engaging in these obstacles, they saw the importance of of these disciplines and maintaining their minds uh, in these ways. Well, That is where I think this example of Shackleton and the endurance really fits into our day and age. Now, obviously, we're not facing, you know, the polar night in real ways. Uh, We, you know, have rain right now. And uh, so we're not we're not exactly looking at that. But I think as we consider cultural realities, some of the difficulties that we have faced that we are facing. In some ways, you could say we have been through a polar night. There have been incredible amounts of difficulty at many levels. And I think if we consider how is it possible that maybe like Shackleton and his crew, the endurance, that we could not only survive these difficulties, but actually grow healthier and stronger and more resilient because of them. Well, I think it, in large part, that depends on how we respond. Now, what we'll find when you look through church history, I love to study church history. I did it in seminary and continue to be fascinated by it. But in the times throughout church history, when the world and certain civilizations grew most chaotic or, or most difficult for the church, they were most consistent at developing what we have been referring to these last few weeks as a rule of life. The the more chaotic things got around the church, the more intentional and organized and ordered they got in their rule of life. And and I think this is something that is is really important uh, for us. And we have, over the last few weeks, looked at a rule of life. And we've looked at what Justin Early has given in the common rule as an example. We've looked at different uh, facets of that. But last week, I explained that, that the rule of life is, is not rules. And I think that's important because typically when we think of rule, that's what we uh, look to. And, and yet this is rules, plural, and it comes from the Latin word regula. And last week, I explained that that refers to a trellis So when you have a vine growing, you have a trellis. And so this is the picture we looked at last week of uh, the jasmine plant. Uh, But the the vine with these flowers uh, will grow one way or another. And yet, if it doesn't have a trellis, which it can attach to and continue to grow up healthfully, 
then it will grow sideways and it will consume other plants and it will actually uh, cause damage to itself. And, and I suggested that in many ways we are like this. We consider what the scripture says about our fallen nature and the way that we are wired. We will always grow in one way. We're always formed in one way or another. And yet if it just happens haphazardly, we naturally will grow in unhealthy ways, ways that are destructive to ourselves and others. And so like the jasmine vine or the jasmine plant, we, we really need this rule. We really need a structure that we can uh, utilize in, in many ways to grow into the purposes, which, and, and this is important, that the purposes of all of this is to grow as a lover of God and others. To, to grow a life that is an expression of love for God and love for others that we are called to in the scriptures. Now, the rule of life as it's been utilized throughout church history in many ways comes from the biblical example of Daniel. And we're going to look at some passages from Daniel this morning. But if you remember that Daniel... And some of his fellow servants were in exile, where? In Babylon, exactly. And so they were in the, the, the Babylonian courts and experiencing some of the difficulties of being in exile, uh, away from their culture, away from everything that was comfortable, that had kind of been shaped around them. And, and they're in this totally foreign context as exiles. And, and that's where we're going to pick up. And so we're going to read two passages, shorter passages from Daniel. First, we'll read Daniel 1, verses 11 through 13. And secondly, we'll look at Daniel 6, verse 10. So I would ask if you would stand with me in honor of reading God's word. So Daniel said to the guard whom the chief eunuch had assigned to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then examine our appearance and the appearance of the young men who are eating the king's food and deal with your servants based on what you see. And then in Daniel chapter six, we pick up in verse 10. Then Daniel learned that the document had been signed. He went into his house The windows in its upstairs room opened towards Jerusalem and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed and gave thanks to his God just as he had done before. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come now, that you would take these words that you've given us in the scriptures and that you would plant them into our hearts. And we pray that that Jesus, who is the true word of God, would enable us to grow in these ways that these words And what they teach would bear fruit through our lives. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus, our King. Amen. Well, as we uh, consider these passages from Daniel, and and maybe these are familiar passages to you because, uh, you know, maybe you grew up in church in the story of Daniel and uh, his friends and the story uh, of Daniel and the lion's den and all of these realities are, are common stories. Miss Glenda, I guess you've probably taught this a couple times uh, through the years. 
but, but this may be a common story or maybe brand new, but I think there is so much for us to consider uh, from this and, and also uh, the, the way it connects with this idea of a rule of life. So first of all, we're going to see the importance of commitment to God. Now, Daniel was, and, and along with his, his uh, friends, uh, the servants uh, who were part of this Babylonian court, they were exiles, and Babylon was a machine, right? It was a world power it was a very unique cultural context, and, and in many ways, it was, it was a dragon at some level. It, it would consume these people. It would consume these cultures and bring them into this Babylonian power and shape people into its own ways. And, and that was something that was, was very effective, the cultural effect that Babylon would have on those nations, including Israel and those people that would be captive and brought into uh, its empire. And, and this is where, as Daniel is looking, and, and, and these other men are looking at the way that the culture is being impressed on them and impressed on the people around them, uh, they realize that that this is going to have an effect, right? This is, this is something. If they simply embrace the way of life of the Babylonians, if they simply embrace uh, the elements of this culture and all of the people around them, uh, they know that they are going to be shaped into the image of that culture. And they knew what Babylonians looked like. Right? They, they saw the product of this. They saw the way that this turned out in other people. And, and they uh, knew that this was not what they wanted for themselves. Right? And, and so this is where their commitment to God, commitment to his laws, their commitment to who he had called them to be, ultimately to reflect himself and his image, was greater than their commitment to Babylon and and even potentially their fear of the leadership of Babylon. And and we see this this commitment in their, first of all, we're going to see the refusal to simply give into the orders of, of idolatry, right, that were passed on, but also even to some of the smaller elements like diet. Uh, and we're going to, to look at that. But but they, they were not willing to simply be absorbed into this, this culture and these people. And we talked last week about how we are so influenced and shaped by the culture and the context in which we live. And I use the example of sledding. Because when we went sledding, there were these certain ruts or there these certain paths that had been formed in the snow. And it was fastest and easiest to just take, you know, our sleds and go down those paths. And I think that's, that's kind of this picture of how things naturally work. We naturally uh, are, are a product of kind of the air that we breathe. And we most naturally follow the courses, the habits, the ways of life of the, the culture that we are surrounded by. And this is where the scriptures are so constant and consistent to 
remind believers in every empire that we are strangers and exiles. So in any context in which believers have lived and in the New Testament, there was another world power. There was another dragon that was in place. It wasn't Babylon. Who was it? Rome, right? And Rome was this, this power and Rome had all of these elements of the culture that we still are able to see. And there were unique uh, components to that. And, and there was this recognition that believers, no matter where they lived, no matter the, the empire in which they found themselves, they always saw them ultimately as strangers and exiles. Like even people like Paul, who naturally were citizens of Rome, they still saw this distance. And I think this is something that has been very consistent throughout church history, that any context in which people live, while we may be natural citizens, we may be part of a political system or, or an empire, or whatever that looks like, we, we maintain this commitment to God and this commitment to the kingdom of God that, that is primary. And so at any level of commitment, we, we remain these, these strangers and exiles in this way. This is where Jesus says in Matthew six thirty three to seek first the kingdom of God. That is our, our primary focus. That is the context in which we live. And, and this is not just in our heads. I think this is important to reiterate. This is not just in our, our propositional knowledge, our beliefs. This is something, our, our commitment to God is, is not just in our heads, but it must be in our habits, right? And I said last week, it's easy to have houses with Christian decor and decorations, and yet to have the architecture of our habits be built very much uh, in line with the world around us. And so I think that is something that's very important to understand, that, that this commitment to God is not just our heads, but it's in our habits. And that leads us to the next point, which is the cultivation of disciplines. Now, Daniel and his, his companions were committed to a vegetable diet. Now, why was that odd? And, and probably if you've been in the church, this is something that's utilized a lot, a Daniel fast or a Daniel plan. I think Rick Warren uh, made this most famous of kind of taking on a, a veg, vegetarian diet. Uh, was this simply an early health craze? All right. Well, I mean, obviously, God's people have had a lot of laws about diet and, and health is, is something that's important for us to consider. But no, I think there were, there were elements of the culture at some level that were actually part of joining in these feasts and joining in the foods of Babylon, these rich foods, these foods that were a product of this political machine, this empire. And, and so they were resisting more than food. While it was resisting all of these rich foods and, and simply being vegetarians, uh, it, was, it was beyond that. And there were, there, were, there were all these cultural elements that were attached to the food that they ate. And so they maintained this discipline if you will, with what they put inside of their bodies, right? So there's something that was tied to their bodies and their habits and their disciplines. Uh, But there was a second practice or discipline that they maintained. What was that? 
their commitment to pray how many times a day? Three times a day, right? They had this practice where they would, would go, and we know in Daniel's case, to go before this window to kneel down and to spend time in prayer. And this was something that Daniel was willing to risk his life over. Now think about that, (laughs) right? Would you, and I realize we're in a whole different context and I'm not trying to induce any amount of shame in this comment. Would you risk your life over kneeling to pray three times a day? Right? For the most part, we don't, you know, we don't cultivate that. And so that seems odd. Like this, this was something that was so integral to Daniel and to his faith and to, to those of his, his uh, you know, companions, fellow Israelites, that, that he was going to do this even if it meant certain death. And, and we think about that, right? What, what was happening inside of Daniel that, that made that kind of resolve, right? What was it that, that allowed him to maintain this discipline that made it worthwhile even to maintain this discipline of getting on his knees in a certain place three times a day to pray? Well, I think that this is, this is for sure this expression of his commitment to God, but What's interesting is, is, this is this is where I think the concept of his knowledge of God, again, was not simply informational. And, and the way that I've thought about this, I'm an I'm a English major, and, and uh, so I think through, I've been thinking through some of the things that I've been learning and thinking about. There's a way in which knowledge of God can be third person. Does that make sense? We have a third person knowledge of God as something that's kind of disconnected. But there's another way in which our knowledge of God can be first person. Does that make sense? And I think that is, for me, that's been a, a eureka moment. <laughs> right? Where that, I think that kind of encompasses some of what I've really been trying to say in a lot of ways. But Daniel's faith in God, his knowledge of God was first person. It involved the way that he moved his body. It involved the things that he ate and allowed into his body. It allowed the, the way that he structured his day, the things that he did, kneeling down, uh, the way that he faced. And, and that's something that I think is so crucial for us is to say, do we have simply a third person knowledge of God? Uh, or is it something that really is first person, that really involves things that we do with our body, the way that we engage uh, our schedules through the day? Uh, David Foster Wallace has a famous, famous graduation speech that he gave to Kenyon University. And uh, he started this graduation speech by saying, there are these two young fish swimming along, and they happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods at them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a bit. And then eventually one of them looks over at the other and goes, what in the world is water? Now, I think that is 
a humorous attempt and what Wallace was doing as these graduates were coming into culture. And he was saying, there are all of these things that are actually the most important things that you aren't even aware of uh, because they're the water in which you swim, right? And, and, and they're things that are, and, and I think this is something that has been proven in many ways. So the things that in many ways shape you the most are completely unconscious. They're habits, and I'm speaking for myself, they're habits that I've developed and ways of thinking that I have incorporated that I never would have chosen outright. They've, they've, almost, they've happened at almost an unconscious level and they're part of the water in which I swim, but I've absorbed them in a way that, that is actually affecting the thoughts that I think and the way that I engage the world in which I live. This is where Justin Early, to quote from, uh, again, from his book, The Common Rule, he says, because our unconscious choices form us just as much, if not more than our conscious ones, we can become formed in patterns that we never would have consciously chose if we were aware of them, right? And, and, and this is where I think for me, an ability in prayer to disconnect and to evaluate what is just, I'm inundated all the rest of the time is so important. Does that make sense? To actually have this ability to, to disconnect at some level and to evaluate these things that are flowing through our heads and these things that are affecting the way that we're living in all of these different ways, affecting our emotions. Uh, but, but to really consider that, and again, this is something that requires proactivity. This is not something that you're naturally going to do, and especially in our world with the phone that's in your pocket that is constantly filling you with notifications, bing, ding, rings and things, Right? And, and naturally, the world in which you're, you're living will inundate you and crowd out every ounce of your brain and, and, and just infiltrate at every level. And so we have, to ha- we have to build this distance, right? We have to maintain these times of, of disconnection and evaluation and prayer, uh, or, or we will just be swept along in the water that we're not even aware of uh, that's surrounding us. So, okay, well, that's... I think the second element and the, and the final element is this connection with others. Because we see that Daniel had a community of people around him. He wasn't the only one who was engaging in these disciplines. He wasn't the only one who was maintaining uh, this commitment to God at these levels. He had other believers, other followers of, of Yahweh uh, who, were, who were around him. We see... Uh, that in, in Acts 2.42, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So these are disciplines, these are habits, these are routines, these are structures that they maintained. And, and this is something that set the early church apart from the Roman Empire and the people around them. They were intentional in cultivating these habits and these disciplines, and they did them together in community in a way that was shaping them towards the image of Christ, right? And, and that, I think, is something that is, it is so important for us. Um, and this is, I think we have a picture of the habits at a glance, and we've given this to you. We won't go through these. But, but when we think about this common rule, and we think about these habits, many of these are things that we would do on our own. And yet, 
There are some of them that involve other people, but all of them, hear me, are going to be most effectively cultivated and developed in a community, right? With other people around us who, who can encourage us and, and keep us accountable and, and know that we're, we're joining together in this effort. And, and I think this is something, so we think about Ernest Shackleton, we think about the endurance. I'm going to wager to you that, that Shackleton, on his own, would have died in Antarctica. I'm going to wager to you, and we see this from the journals and the diaries, we see that the reason, in many ways, that this group of, of men were able to endure physically through such difficult obstacles as polar nights that were maddening, the physical freezing cold weather, the hunger, and all of the obstacles that, that they faced was because of the way they joined together. They were connected and, and committed together towards this same common purpose. And if you've ever been through a real, really difficult experience, I know that often uh, soldiers would describe it this way, that the, the, the connection, the friendship, the relationship that you have with those people who you have gone through great difficulties with is unlike other relationships, right? When you're going through hardships, you're going through extremely difficult circumstances. You are, you are not only developed yourself, but you are united together. You're connected together with those other individuals who go through that with you, right? And, and so for us, we are in a culture that completely celebrates individualism and, 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 and disconnection, right? And, and we see the effects of that. So we see the actual product of this system in that we are seeing unprecedented things like anxiety and depression. And I know there's, there's all kinds of nuances to that, but we're seeing that at record levels. We're seeing screen addictions uh, and addictions of all different kinds. Um, at, at just unprecedented levels. And we're, we're seeing people who are, who are, their relationships are entirely technological, right? And, and it's not going well, <laughs> right? And, and I think that's something that we really need to, to consider is, is one, are we, are we being intentional? Because, because and, and Devin and the band, you guys can go ahead and come up. Are we being intentional in cultivating our own disciplines, our own rule of life? Because you, we all have one, right? And there is, I will tell you, an American rule of life. There just is. There's a way of living that is, that is completely focused on busyness and materialism and consumption and, you know, all kinds of immorality and all of these focuses. And, and those focuses, again, are shaping the, the habits that we have, the ways that we live in, in massive ways. And so we need to consider that. Okay, are we, are we just joining? Is, is the architecture of our house just like that? Are we being assimilated into the dragon, if you will, like we talked about with, with Babylon and, and Rome in ways that really matter for the long and, and, and I think the second question that we have to ask is, is, are there people around us 
who have these kind of commitments to God. And, and when you think about Daniel and his friends in Babylon that, that have this kind of commitment to, to intentionally building a trellis on which these lives of love for God and others can grow. Are there other people around us who, who can join in that, that effort, right? So that we can brave the polar night together at that way. And if, if not, I, I think this is, this is something that I would encourage us to cultivate. I'm, I'm praying for our community groups. I'm praying for, for Fairview and, and the relationships that we have, that this would be something that would grow, uh, that this would be something that we can unite together in. And, and what we will see is what made Daniel and his companions so influential in Babylon and what made the early church and, and these believers in Rome and all these areas so effective and attractive to others is that they were different. <laughs> Does that make sense? The light was able to shine because the darkness was around them. And, and, and that's where I'm hoping that, that by living differently in some ways, we're not just trying to disconnect from the culture. We're not just trying to get away from everything, right? But we, we are trying to live lives that actually allow us to shine a light. I think this, this call to reject the world's patterns in order to love the world's people. That's our goal, right? Not just to, to run away. And so I would just invite us just a moment to consider that. What are... What are our rule of lives? What are our habits? What are the things that are shaping us? Is there ways that the Lord's calling us to make these kind of changes, these, these significant uh, patterns that we live with in order for our commitment to God, again, to not simply be a commitment in our heads, but in our habits. And we know that our habits shape our hearts. intentionality, that it requires focus, that requires sacrifice, that requires changes. And yet you promise that all of these things will be added to us. And we trust you. But we know that we are surrounded by 
difficulties. We feel at some level the effects of a polar night and we feel the pull towards all of uh, these realities of destruction. We pray that your spirit would strengthen us. That we would be those who, who are willing to live differently, not, not just to somehow disconnect from the world, but out of love for the world, out of a desire to be the light, the lights in the darkness. And so I pray Fairview Church would be a people who by our faithfulness and commitment to you and by the work of your spirit, by your grace within us and our encouragement and love of one another, would not give way, would not give in, would not just kind of fall into the darkness, but but would maintain this light you've called us to shine in our own lives and in our community, in our world. So we thank you for the gift of the church and even this opportunity to gather together this morning. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.